Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1947-1948 season. As I said on Sunday night's podcast, we are winding down our season of all of our shows. I think, I think, (laughs) this one goes the longest, so I think we've still got a number of weeks left uh, before we run out of uh, this season's episodes. Which is nice, because uh, this tonight's episode, the sound quality is so clear, and it's such a fun episode that it's, it's just great to be able to bring these to you. Um, speaking of sound quality and clarity, I really pride our podcast in bringing you the, the clearest quality sound available for basically all the shows we have, and... This summer, I said on the podcast the other night that there are clearer shows that I would like to be able to get uh, of, of most of the shows that we're going to be presenting this summer, but I just don't have them, and they're not really uh, widely in circulation. Some of them are where you have to buy them from different companies and so forth. So, uh, I said that for the next month, uh, anybody who donates... That money will go directly to buying upgrades uh, of all the shows we're presenting this summer. Well, I just wanted to thank Mark. He donated yesterday. And he donated on a level that allows uh, him to get access to the Jack Benny shows uh, that are in our my archive. So I sent him that link. And his donation also uh, certainly benefits us in being able to, to, uh, for me to purchase some extra shows, and so I was able to pick up uh, Father Knows Best, basically our whole summer run of Father Knows Best, in the best sound quality that I've ever heard it in. Now, it's not in quite the quality of, say, our Bing Crosby's or our Jimmy Durante's, but it's probably similar qualities to, say, our Gunsmokes, which are really clear, and our Suspense episodes that are really clear. So uh, I just want to thank Mark for allowing all of us to enjoy Father Knows Best in uh, better quality than I'd previously had. So that's an awfully nice thing. Um, so it's one of those things where if you donate now, it's everybody benefits. So, so uh, feel free, and of course at the $25 level or more, um, you can have access to the uh, Jack Benny shows, all the Jack Benny podcasts that I've done. At the $39 level or more, you can have access to all the podcasts I've ever done. And at any level, you can ask for access to any one particular show that you would like access to my podcasts. Like you could say... Uh, I donated the $10 level. Can I please have access to the Fred Allen podcast? And I would link you up so you can listen to the Fred Allen podcasts I've made. Anyway, uh, enjoy tonight's episode of the Jack Benny Show in really nice clarity, as I say. And, oh, I was going to tell you a couple things about the episode. I was listening to it, and I really, was really enjoying it when I was listening to it earlier this week. Uh, there are a couple of jokes that a little background might help a little bit, um, but I don't think there's anything that stands out as, as you really needing a lot of direction from me. So uh, the, one, the one thing that did stand out that I thought was kind of fun was uh, when Phil Harris comes on, I was noticing, I was thinking to myself, that's awfully late for Phil Harris to be coming on the show. He's got to get over to do his own show. (laughs) And within a few seconds of me saying that, Jack explains that Phil's show is over for the season and that uh, he has access to Phil for a lot longer for the whole episode. So maybe we'll be hearing more Phil in the upcoming weeks than we've heard this season, and that would be a nice thing. Uh, but anyway, enjoy tonight's episode. Uh, please remember, if you want to donate to the podcast, just uh, if you type in Buck Benny Podcast, or even just Buck Benny, you'll uh, 
the very first thing that comes up on any of the search engines will be my podcast site. You click on it, and then on the right-hand side, you'll see a donate button. I'll, if I remember, I will try and create a shortcut link in this actual podcast so that folks that are downloading in other ways will be able to uh, click on that link if you have active links on your uh, however, however you're getting the podcast. Or if you don't know how to donate and you just want information on how to donate, you can always email me at buckbennyotr at gmail.com and I would love to hear from you. Oh, and one last thing about Mark and his donation. He, uh, the way he donated, he actually included in the, uh, they have a comment section on the, on the donation that you can make a comment to me, and he included his email address in there so that I could send him the link. He also sent me a direct message on buckbennyotr gmail.com so that I could link to it, and it made it way easier for me to do, and he got the link the same day that he, uh, uh, donated the money, so that's makes it more a lot quicker to do that. Anyway, enjoy, and we'll see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. <laughs> Lucky Strike, first again with Tobacco Man. First again with Tobacco Man. More independent tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. There you have the findings of a recent impartial survey which reveals the personal smoking preference of tobacco men, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen. Yes, the survey shows Lucky Strike. First again with tobacco men. First again with tobacco men. First again with the men who can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. So light up a Lucky. Puff by puff, you'll see. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And in a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. So for your own real, deep-down smoking enjoyment, smoke the smoke tobacco experts smoke. Lucky Strike. First again with Tobacco Man. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we'd like to take you out to Jack Benny's home in Beverly Hills. It's evening, and Jack has just finished dinner and is relaxing in his usual way. You know, Rochester... I always like to play my violin after dinner. Uh -huh. No, it soothes and relaxes me. Uh -huh. I, I hope it doesn't bother you. Oh, no, I haven't had my dinner yet. <laughs> good, Rochester, I often think what a fool I was not to have made the violin my career. You know, I might have become a great virtuoso, but no, no. Instead, I had to become a comedian, a clown, a buffoon. But a rich buffoon. <laughs> That's the wrong attitude. The world would be better off if people had a different viewpoint. You know, money isn't everything. Remember what Shakespeare said. He who steals my purse steals trash. I wish you'd throw some of that garbage on me. <laughs> Rod, just clear off the table. Let me practice my violin. I want to prepare for my stage appearances in Detroit and Cleveland. Let me see. I want to learn that new song first. Here it is. First again with Tobacco Man. Gee, that song is catching on fast. I heard it last night on the hit parade. 
Well, I've practiced enough, but I don't feel like going to bed. I think I'll go in the den and listen to the radio. Now, hello, Polly. Daddy's going to listen to the radio. Fred Allen stinks. Fred Allen stinks. <laughs> maybe, maybe I shouldn't have taught her that. But then, she'd have found out herself. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what's on the air right now. Friends, do you have a tendency to be a little too fat around the waist? You do? Well, what you need is exercise. First, stand in front of your fireplace. That's right. Now lift your right leg. Higher, higher, higher. Now rest your foot on the mantelpiece. <laughs> Have you got one foot on the floor and one foot on the mantelpiece? Good. We now leave the air until the same time tomorrow. That's ridiculous. I wonder what else is on. Gee, it's hard to reach the dial with one foot on the mantelpiece. <laughs> there, I made it. your daily beauty consultant. Ladies, is your skin rough and dry? Are your pores large and coarse? Is your complexion dull and blotchy? Is your hair stringy and full of snarls? It is? Well, stay in the house, kid. You're a mess. <laughs> I don't know. There, there must be something on the air tonight besides... Commercial. Oh, there's the phone. Hello? Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Mary. Jack, are we going to have rehearsal at your house or NBC? What? Are we going to have rehearsal at your house or NBC? Mary, I can hardly hear you. Get closer to the phone. I can't. I've got one foot on the floor and one foot on the mantelpiece. <laughs> Gee, that program must have a terrific hooper. <laughs> I think so, Ram? Oh, Mary... What did you ask me before? I said, where are we having rehearsal? Oh, rehearsal will be tomorrow at NBC. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, Jack. Yes? I've got the most wonderful news. My sister Babe is coming out to California to go on television. Your sister Babe on television? Well, what is she going to do? She's going to double for gorgeous George. <laughs> say, that's great. Listen, give her my congratulations. Oh, hello, Jack. Rochester told me you were in here. Oh, hello, Don. Mary, Don's here. i got to hang up. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hiya, Don. Come on in. Sit down. Okay. Come on in, fellas. Oh, you brought the sportsman with you. Hello, boys. Mm. Don, I meant to call you, but we're not having rehearsal until tomorrow. As long as you're here, sit down. Well, thanks, Jack. Aren't you going to sit down, too? No, I'll just put my foot back on the mantelpiece. That's all. <laughs> well, Jack, even though we're not rehearsing until tomorrow, the boys have prepared a beautiful number for the show, and they'd like to have you hear it right now. They're going out of town for a few days. Business? Oh, no, no, no. You see, the boys took their wives fishing at Big Bear Lake last week, and they're going back there again. Gee, I wish I could go. What are they going to fish for, perch or trout? The baritone's wife. She fell out of the boat Wednesday. <laughs> oh, well, then by all means, let's hear him sing now. He must be awfully tired treading water. Go ahead, boys. Well, now, wait, wait a minute, Jack. This is a big production number, and there's a part in it for you on the violin. For me? Well, good, good. Now, where's my violin? Under your chin. Oh, yes, yes. That was the stickiest spaghetti I had for dinner. Now, let's, um, let's go, Don. What number are we going to do? The Saber Dance by Cachetorium. The Saber Dance? Well, that should be wonderful. Come on, fellas, hit it. Enjoyment. 
You should try Lucky's more than you will see. Five men who know a Congratulations. <laughs> Ricky, that was a wonderful number. Well, thanks, Zach. I knew you'd like it. I certainly did. We'll see you Sunday, fellas. Goodbye. <laughs> so long, Jack. So long. Gosh, those... <laughs> those boys are such nice fellas. 65 cents in the Coca-Cola machine. <laughs> well, I think I'll take my change belt off and go in the library. I'll read for an hour or so before I go to bed. Just look at this room. What a mess. Oh, Rochester. Rochester. Every time I want him, he takes so long to Did get... Did you call me, Mr. Billy? Yeah, where were you? I was in the kitchen ironing your nightgown. Oh. <laughs> well, I hope you didn't put too much starch in it again. Last night, I felt like I was sleeping in a Quonset hut. <laughs> I, I like a nightgown to cling a little. Now, Rochester, this room is such a mess, I wish... Rochester, do you smell something burning? Uh-oh, the iron! My nightgown! Well, is it burned? Boy, something tells me this Quonset hunter's gonna have a window in it! <laughs> Let me see that nightgown. Hmm. It'll be okay, boss. I'll put a flap on it! <laughs> See that you do. I'm going back in the library and read. I'll call you, Rochester, when I want to go to bed. Now, let me see. I'd like to read a good mystery for a change. What are these books? Kiss the blood off my hand. The crushed skull. The mutilated torso. <laughs> Lilacs in the spring. <laughs> nah, that's too gruesome. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, my goodness, these two books shouldn't be together. The Proper Bostonians and the Kinsey Report. <laughs> Here's a mystery I haven't read. I was framed by the author of I Stand Condemned. Gee, his new book ought to be good. I'll just curl up in this easy chair and read it. Chapter One. I was framed. My name is Bruce Fink. Oh, it's an ordinary name. It hasn't even been mentioned as a Republican candidate. I was an average man with normal habits. My only fault was, perhaps, that I spent my money 
a little too freely. Gee. <laughs> it all started one evening last April. We had just finished dinner, and I was in the kitchen washing the dishes. My wife, Flossie, was in the parlor dancing with our boarder, Silk Shirt Harry. <laughs> I also had a son named Gus. Some people thought he was stupid because he was 16 years old and he had just learned to tie his shoelaces. <laughs> Someday he may even learn to tie them when they're in his shoes. <laughs> but I loved him. That evening, Gus was helping me with the dishes. What's this, Papa? That's, that's a cup, son. Oh, and is this a saucer? No, 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 that's a knife. Saucer knife. Saucer knife. Saucer knife. Have you got that, son? Son? Yes, you're my son and I'm your father. <laughs> this is a cup and this is a knife. The one with the point is the knife. The one with the handle is the cup. And the one with the hole is your head. <laughs> now, do you understand? Yes, son. No, no, no. Yo, no. No, look, look. You're the son. You see, I'm your father. But don't try to learn too much at one time. All right, I'll go to bed now. Good night, my boy. Good night, Papa. Oh, Papa. Yes, son? Papa, when are you going to tell me about the birds and the bees? Don't worry about the birds and the bees. First learn about the cups and the saucers. <laughs> they enjoy life, too. <laughs> Good night, Gus. Good night, Papa. Gus called me Papa. And I was glad that I made the right decision. Two days before, I almost traded him for a cocker spaniel. <laughs> I put away the dishes and started toward the parlor to join my wife, Flossie, and our boarder, Silk Shirt Harry. <laughs> Ah, swing it, Flossie, you little dove, you. <laughs> I'm way ahead of you, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, honey, let's try that dip again. Oh, you sure got a mean rug. That's nothing, baby. You ought to catch me on linoleum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harry, hold me closer. I love to smell that bay rum. <laughs> <laughs> I know, baby. That's why I drink it straight. <laughs> Mind if I cut in, sweetheart? Are you finished with the dishes already? Oh, yes. They're all washed and put away. Look, Fink. Flossie and I are busy. Here's a dime. Why don't you run down to the store? What do you want me to get? Lost. I walked out of the house smiling at Flossie's little joke. Then I was horrified to see our son Gus lying on the front lawn with a broken leg. I know what had happened. When he went up to his room, he stepped out on the balcony to get some fresh air. If I told him once, I told him a thousand times. We haven't got a balcony. <laughs> As I bent over him, Gus opened his eyes and said... What happened, son? No, 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 you're the son. I'm your father. Oh. Tell me, are you hurt? Yes, I think I broke my saucer. <laughs> That's your leg. As I walked down the street toward the corner store, I couldn't help thinking how lucky I was. I had a wonderful wife, a son with a broken saucer, <laughs> and a boarder who had his own show and went off the air for the summer. <laughs> what man could ask for more? Although I had never cared for riches, I did wish that I could afford to buy my wife Flossie a little extra thing she never had before, like toothpaste, a toothbrush, or even tea. I continued walking down the street when suddenly a voice called to me from the darkened doorway of the First National Bank. Hey, you. You. Who, me? Yeah, you. Come here. You want to make 50 bucks? Without even thinking, I said no. Which proves I wasn't thinking. <laughs> so I thought it over and said, Did you say 50 bucks? Yeah. All you gotta do is stand out here in front of the bank, and if you see a cop, just whistle. Whistle? Yeah. Whistle something like Melancholy Baby or Ballerina, any popular number. 
If you don't mind, I'd like to whistle Stardust. I'm a friend of Hugo Carmichael. <laughs> whistle ballerina. When you see a cop coming, whistle loud so me and my friend can hear you. They weren't fooling me. I knew they were song pluggers. <laughs> I stood in front of the bank thinking of the $50 I was going to make. To me, that was a fortune. The nearest I ever came to being rich was when I almost guessed the name of the walking man. <laughs> I was so sure it was Frank Renly. <laughs> he fell off his stool for the summer. I stood there lost in thought. When suddenly, from inside of the bank, I heard... The bank now had an open-toed vault. <laughs> the next thing I knew, I was in a speeding car, seated between two men and three sacks of money. Then suddenly, it dawned upon me. This was a hold-up. <laughs> of that ride was like a nightmare. Then the two men began to talk. Hey, Clyde. How much... How much did you promise this fink? They knew my name. <laughs> I looked at the men, then I looked at their guns. I noticed the guns were identical. So I asked them why they both carried 32 caliber automatics. And they said... They're first again with hold-up men. <laughs> I knew what they meant, but I missed the music. I leered back at them and said, You fellas can't get away with this. I'm going to the police. You can't go to the police, buddy. You're in this as deep as we are. I knew that the two men were right. I was trapped. Through no fault of my own, I, Bruce Criminal, was now a fink. I mean, Bruce Fink was now a criminal. <laughs> I rode along with the three sacks of money. The car stopped at a corner. The men picked up two more sacks. One was Sacks Fifth Avenue. <laughs> the car was now so crowded I had to sit in the back with the escalator. <laughs> Finally, they threw me out of the car. By the time I got home, it was morning. A dreary morning. I looked up at the sky. Suddenly, the sun broke through the O in Honest John. <laughs> Through the window, I could see Silk Shirt Harry holding my wife Flossie in his arms. Their lips were pressed together. I dreaded going into the house. I'd been gone all night, and I couldn't tell them where I'd been. And I didn't want Flossie to think that I was in love with another woman. <laughs> I racked my brain, but I couldn't think of an excuse. So I decided to go in and brazen it out. As I opened the door, they were still kissing. As they saw me, their lips parted. Hello, Harry. Hello, Flossie. Are you back already? I know how you must have worried about me, darling, but I couldn't help it. I bumped into an old friend and we got to talking. And you know how time always... Kiss me again, Harry. Okay, baby. It was as simple as that. No questions. No jealous reproaches. Flossie trusted me implicitly. I think Harry did, too. <laughs> I was heartsick as I went upstairs and threw myself on Gus's bed and knocked my pivot tooth out. If I told him once, I told him a thousand times. He hasn't got a bed. The next couple of weeks were like a horrible dream. I didn't know what the future had in store for me. I continued with my household duties. One day, as I was pushing bugs out of the screen with a toothpick, my son Gus was sitting nearby doing his homework. He looked up at me and said, Oh, fathead. That's father. At least you're getting closer. What is it, son? This pencil won't write. That's a knife. Look, son, that's a knife. This is a cup and this is a saucer. Do you understand? Yes, son. No, 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 no. I'm your father. Now, how, how are you getting along with your spelling? Fine, I can count up to ten now. Good work. Now listen, my boy, I'm going to take you into my confidence. Some men were robbing a bank, and they promised me $50 to whistle if I saw a cop. A what? A cop. That's a saucer. <laughs> I 
Gus sitting in a pool of blood. <laughs> I couldn't stand him anymore. As I walked into the kitchen, the phone rang. A shiver went down my back. Then it went up my back. Then it went down my back. The escalator was under my coat. <laughs> the phone rang again. Hello? Hello, Fink. We're pulling another job tonight, and we want you to whistle for us. And you better be there if you know what's good for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'll be there. I thought of running away. I thought of leaving town. I thought of Jane Russell. I don't know why I thought of her, but it was fun. <laughs> but when the burglars called, I knew I'd be there. This meant I'd have to leave the house again. But I didn't know how to break the news to my wife. I hoped she wouldn't take it too hard. I opened the door and walked into the parlor where I found Flossie and Harry looking at our picture album. <laughs> Look at this one, Harry. This is a picture of me and my husband, Bruce, the night we first met. <laughs> yeah. Hey, who's the other guy in the picture? That's Ralph Edwards. He introduced me to Bruce as part of my consequence. <laughs> Flossie, dear, I have to go out again tonight. And I may not be home until late. <laughs> and look, Harry, here's a picture we took on our honeymoon. This is Bruce in his bathing suit. Holy mackerel, what a physique. He looks like something that was pushed through a screen with a toothpick. <laughs> 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 oh, I don't blame you for being furious, Flossie. But you'll have to trust me. And remember, no matter what happens, I want you to know that I love you. Well, I gotta go now. Goodbye, Harry. Goodbye, Flossie. How about a kiss? Not wanting to interrupt them. <laughs> I tiptoed out of the room. Once again, I walked out into the night to keep a rendezvous with destiny. <laughs> that night while I whistled, they robbed the second national bank. The next night, they robbed the third national bank. The night after that, the fourth national. And the following night, the sixth national. Everyone was expecting it to be the fifth. Oh, they were shrewd, all right. <laughs> and then... It happened. The crooks decided I outlived my usefulness, and they took me to a lonely road to bump me off. And I stood there helpless, and they came at me with their guns drawn. I tried to get away, but it was no use. I was cornered, trapped. I screamed for help. <laughs> Suddenly, from out of nowhere, police cars appeared. Then the cops jumped out. I thought I was saved, but no, they thought I was one of the crooks, and they started firing. I was hit in the arm, in the leg. I sank to my knees when suddenly... When suddenly... When suddenly... Hmm. The last page of this book is missing. Wait, quite a few pages are gone. Oh, Rochester! Rochester! Did you call me, boss? What happened to this book? There were about a dozen pages torn out of it. You did that last week when you had your dinner party. What? If I told you once, I told you a thousand times. Buy paper napkins. <laughs> well, if you got the flap on my nightgown, I think I'll go to bed. Good night, Rochester. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you agree that there is nothing more pathetic than a helpless child suffering from starvation, exposure, and sickness. Thousands of kids in the devastated countries are exactly in this predicament. So it's up to us to give them a chance to survive. We must help them grow up to be healthy, clear-thinking citizens. So let's help those unfortunate children by sending our contributions to Crusade for Children, New York City. Save a child, save the future. Thank you. Jack, we'll be back in just a minute, but first... Lucky Strike, first again with Tobacco Men. First again with Tobacco Men. As a recent impartial survey reveals, more independent tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. More than the next two leading brands combined. Lucky Strike. First again with Tobacco Men. That's what the survey shows. Now listen to what Mr. William Lee Curran, 24 years a tobacco auctioneer, recently said. For years and years, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine, mild tobacco. 
Tobacco that's full of smoking enjoyment. I've smoked Lucky's 23 years. So light up a Lucky. And puff by puff, you'll see. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. So smoke the smoke, tobacco expert smoke. Lucky Strike. First again with Tobacco Men. Gee, it feels good to get in bed. I'm really tired tonight. Oh, down it, there's the buzzer. Oh, now, who can that be at this hour, I wonder? Yes? Mr. Benny, if I told you once, I'd told you a thousand times. What is it? This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the 1937-1938 season of the Jack Benny Show. We present our third and final episode that features um, Jack's take on the adventures of Tom Sawyer. And in this episode, Verna Felton plays Aunt Polly. Verna Felton, of course, will later become better known to Jack Benny fans as the mother of Dennis Day. So it's fun to hear her in, a, in, the, in another role here. Uh, we are going to also have Ed Boulogne playing a couple different characters, and uh, Blanche Stewart's back playing a couple characters as well. So it should just be a fun show all the way around. Uh, for anybody who's gotten confused, I uh, mentioned the other day that it was the end of our 1943-1942-1943 season of Jack Benny shows because we played his last available show, well, the last show of the season, actually, on Thursday. And so when we do that, we are going to replace it the next week with one of our shows that is from um, our Summer of the Stars and we played our first Summer of the Stars show today, and that was the audition episode of Father Knows Best. And so we'll keep bringing you more Father Knows Best episodes. The one we brought you today doesn't have the sound upgrade that we did, that we um, are bringing to you, but all the future episodes will. Uh, the audition show is not included in that set so, but I didn't want you to miss the audition episode, so that's what we played today with Robert Young, of course. Uh, and of course, as these Jack Benny shows wind out their seasons, we will be replacing them with our Summer of the Stars. And then, of course, at the end of the summer, when the new season starts, we will have, of course, four new seasons of the Jack Benny show to bring you the what will it be, the 1938, uh, 39 season, I guess, and the 1943, uh, 44 season, and the 1948, uh, 49 season, I guess, and the 1953, uh, 54 season. Um, so it'll be fun bringing you all those new seasons of the Jack Penny Show. So the podcast isn't going anywhere. If you thought it was uh, taking off or ending or something, we always end uh, into the summer and go into summer programming because most of the shows do not go through the summer. Most of the shows took a summer hiatus just like television shows do today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. We have a couple more, I believe, uh, from this season of the Jack Benny Show, so keep tuning in Saturday nights. And, of course, we'll have a new episode tomorrow of the 1952-1953 season of the Jack Benny Show. So tune in for that, of course, as well. And I hope you're all going to enjoy our Summer of the Stars uh, coming up and... I hope you enjoyed today's episode with uh, Father Knows Best with Robert Young. And we'll see you folks next time. J-E-L-L-O The Jell-O Program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harrison, his orchestra.
The orchestra opens a program with I've Got a Heart Full of Music from Cowboy from Brooklyn. When your mother sat down to the dinner table back in the early 1900s, she was probably dressed in a stiff starched shirtwaist and a skirt with a hundred tucks. But when she brought on the dessert course, more than likely it was the same dessert that you and your family enjoy so much today, Jell-O. For some styles don't change, and Jell-O is still, as it always has been, America's favorite gelatin dessert. That name is a trademark, and it tells you what it told your mother that here's one of the most delicious desserts anybody ever tasted. But you must be sure to ask for genuine Jell-O when you buy. For that name is your guarantee that here's the real thing, the one and only Jell-O. If you hear any other gelatin dessert called Jell-O, you'll know that is incorrect, for the name is the property of General Foods. So if you want to enjoy Jell-O's extra-rich fruit flavor, Jell-O's fresh, tempting goodness and gay, glowing colors, don't accept any substitutes for... Jello. Yes. Yes. What's that? Now, look, Mr. Hornblow, I know you're the producer of the picture, but I'm the star. And after all, I have some rights. All right, I'm stubborn, but I will not do that scene where I'm hanging out of a window upside down by my heels. Imagine me hanging out of a window. I'm supposed to be a lover, not Monday's wash. Now, look, Mr. Hornblow... Jack, Jack, we're on the air. The program started. I know, Don. I'll have to call you back later, Mr. Hornblow, but I want this thing ironed out or Mr. Zucker will hear this. Goodbye. Hmm, nothing but trouble. Go ahead, Don. Introduce me. Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you that happy-go-lucky fellow, that carefree comedian, that bubbling All right, all right. That's enough. Jello again. This is Jack Benny talking. I tell you, Don, it's enough to drive a man crazy. Well, what's the matter this time? The same old thing. Every time I make a picture, Paramount wants me to kill myself. Well, uh, why don't you do something about it? Do something about it? I've been walking around the studio all week with a sign on my back saying, Fragile. <laughs> but they still won't change the story. Say, Jack, is that the same picture you were rehearsing last week with Rochester? Yeah. You know, where he was reading Joan Bennett's part? Yes, Phil, but I had to give up reading lines with Rochester. Why? Well, we were commencing to sound like Amos and Andy. <laughs> anyway, fellas, I don't like the whole setup. I have to go through all sorts Hello, of... Hello, Jack. Hello, Mary. I have to go through all sorts of physical contortions. I have to jump over walls, fall down flights of steps, and worst of all, hang, hang by my heels out of a window. Gee whiz, Jack, you ought to have a double for those scenes. You know, a, a stuntman to take your place. That's what I told Paramount, but they claim it's too dangerous. <laughs> I rehearsed that scene yesterday with Joan Bennett. You were there, Mary. I'll say. Now get this, Don, for a silly idea. Joan Bennett is passing by on the street, and I want to propose to her. So Paramount has me hanging out of a window upside down to do it. Fine picture. But you know, Jack, you look much taller when you're hanging by your heels out of a window. Well, no wonder my knees fly out of joint. <laughs> well, anyway, Don, I rehearsed that scene four hours yesterday, and believe me, I was all in. <laughs> Tell him what happened, Jack. Oh, it wasn't that important. What was it, Mary? Well, Jack was hanging by his heels upside down talking to Joan Bennett. Well, sure I was. That's what I was supposed to be. Was your toupee supposed to fall off, too? <laughs> Well, that was just an accident. No kidding, Mary. Did that really happen? Yes. Yeah, Jack's toupee fell off and landed right on Joan Bennett's head. <laughs> it did? Yeah. She thought it was a spider and fainted. <laughs> and not only that, the guy that was holding my feet went out for lunch in the middle of the scene. <laughs> I fell right on my head. On your head? Did you hurt yourself? No, Don. I've always had a short neck. <laughs> hurt myself. And Mitch Lyson, the director, he was a big help. He just stood there laughing at me. Oh, Mitch Lyson. Yeah. Say, he's a swell director, isn't he, Jack? Yes, but he's so temperamental. Yeah, I made one little mistake at rehearsal the other day, and he bit me. 
I tell you, fellas, someday I'm going to make a real picture and handle the whole thing myself. I'll be the star, the writer, the director, and the producer. You'll be the audience, too. <laughs> I don't know about that. My picture will do business if only my relatives go to see it. You ain't kidding. <laughs> Well, anyway, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. They'll have to rewrite the story or else. Answer the phone, Mary. Okay. Hello? Who? Yes, he's right here. It's for you, Jack. It's Mr. Zipper of Paramount. That's Mr. Zucker. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what... Hello? Hello, Mr. Zucker. Yes. Yeah, but look, Mr. Zucker, all I said was I will not play that scene. Absolutely not. But I do want to make pictures. Gee, I even went on a diet. If you don't shut up, you'll stay on it. Quiet. <laughs> now, look, Mr. Zucker, I'm the star of this picture, and I certainly have a right to discuss it. Hmm. Why, even Washington didn't cross the Delaware without talking it over with someone. I said, Washington, I know he isn't in the picture. <laughs> now, now, Mr. Zucker, I'm the star, and if I'm going to fall out of a window on my head, I got to get more money or a helmet. I'd like to get both. <laughs> well, how about my having lunch with you tomorrow and we'll talk about it? Oh, right after lunch? Okay, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> what I have to go through to make a picture, I wish Baudville would come back, play, Phil. The way I'm treated, no rights, no respect, no nothing. <laughs> Phil Harris and his orchestra playing Jungle Love from the picture of the same name. And Phil, that was very realistic. I don't know, I could just smell the jungle. You could? Yes, I could smell the music, too. <laughs> I didn't mind the music, but how can you smell a jungle? The monkeys are wearing Christmas night. Well, that's about the corniest routine we've done in a long time. <laughs> yeah, to top it off, here comes Kenny. No, I'm cooked. <laughs> Hello, Kenny Hello, Jack, how am I doing? How are you doing? You just got here But you're looking good, Kenny You got a sunburn and everything Where have you been? Oh, I, I've been to Lake Arrowhead for decoration day I just got back Oh, oh I took my girl and her mother Gee, I had a swell time You had a lot of fun, eh? Yeah, her mother lost her glasses <laughs> Oh, I get it Did she find them yet? I don't think so I dropped them in the lake why, you little devil, you. Say, Kenny, did you do any fishing while you were up there? Yeah, and a funny thing, Jack. Everybody around me was catching trout and bass, but all I got was a barracuda. Kenny, a barracuda is a saltwater fish. What was he doing in Lake Arrowhead? I only catch him. I don't explain him. <laughs> Some fisherman. You couldn't catch a herring in a delicatessen if you used Schlepperman for bait. Oh, I could, too. Yeah. Say, Jack, did you go anyplace over the holiday? No, I had to stay here and worry about my picture. 
I wish I had it easy like you fellas. Nothing to think about but have a good time. Well, if you'd relax a little more, you'd be better off. Uh. Every time you make a picture, you try to run the whole work. Well, Mary, I have to protect myself. After all, I'm the star. Star, star, that's all I've heard. Well? You're no more star than a $3 sapphire. <laughs> that's so. Well, let me ask you something. When my picture comes out, what do you see on the marquee in front of the theater? Jack Benny and free dishes. <laughs> Well, if you can see me and pick up a soup tureen for the same price, I suppose that's bad. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Don laughed at that. Anyway, I'm the star. <laughs> so let's forget artists and models and get on with Tom Sawyer. And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you will overlook our silly arguments, we will present the third and final episode in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Now, as you may remember, our play last week ended with... Oh, darn it. See who that is, Mary. Okay. Hello? Who? Yes, he's here. Who is it this time? It's Mr. Winkler. He says he's Joan Bennett's manager. Oh, I wonder what he wants. Hello? Yes, this is Jack Benny. What? Well, yes, Mr. Winkler, but I didn't mean that I was the only star in the picture. I know Miss Bennett is, too. What? Now, wait a minute. You've got the wrong slant on this, and I'm not a termite. <laughs> I don't care how I photograph. <laughs> but, but, Mr. Winkler, but, 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 but... Shut up, Jack. You sound like a motorboat. <laughs> well, all right, I apologize. Goodbye. It's a fine time to call me up and argue about billing. And now, folks, getting back to our dramatic offering, I will be the star of Tom Sawyer. There'll be no arguments about that. And Phil Harris will well, be... Well, say, Jack, I don't mean to keep harping on your picture, but are you really going to make them change the story? Yes, I am, Don. Why? Well, I was just wondering, uh, isn't there some place in the script where you can talk about Jell-O? Well, I don't know, Don. I would if I could find the proper place for it. If you... Well, uh, I just thought that while you're proposing to Joan Bennett, you could say something like this. I love you, Joan, because you're beautiful. And I love Jell-O because it has six delicious flavors. <laughs> Well, Don, I could, but that doesn't seem to be quite the right spot for it. Well, then, uh, Jack, take that scene where you're hanging out of the window upside down. Well, what about it? Well, couldn't you just have a couple of boxes of Jell-O fall out of your pocket? Look, Don, that scene is not going to be in the picture. That's what I've been fighting about. I'm not going to hang out of a window. Is that what they want you to do, Jack? Yes, and I'm not a chimpanzee. That I know. Does Paramount know? <laughs> Apparently not. I've got bars in my dressing room. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to do it. But, Jack, I'd be a little careful if I were you. You're not so big that you can go around telling Paramount what to do. I'm not telling him what to do, Phil, but I'll be darned if I'll play a love scene upside down. The blood will rush to my head and I'll forget my lines. <laughs> if you haven't got any more lines and you have blood, don't worry. <laughs> Anyway, that scene is out, so for heaven's sake, let's get back to our own play. Now, Mary, you'll be Becky Thatcher again. And Phil, for the third consecutive week, you'll be my half-brother, uh, Sid. A big sissy. Gee, I wish that part would last one more week. Why? I'm making a doily and it's nearly finished. <laughs> well, you'll have to finish it on your own time. Now, let's see. The part of Aunt Polly will be... Oh, heavens to Betsy. <laughs> Is that the phone again? Hello? Yes? Oh, Jack, it's Mitch Lyson, your director. Well, I might as well talk to him, too. Hello, Mitch. Yes? Yes, and I mean exactly what I said. I'm not going to hang out of a window by my heels to play a love scene. I fell on my head once already, didn't I? Stop laughing! <laughs> what? I don't care if I do get the Academy Award. I still want a round head. <laughs> All right, tell Mr. Hornblow. See if I care. Goodbye. Well, if this isn't getting to be a joke or something, I tell you, I'm going nuts. Oh, Jack, let's do our play, Tom Sawyer, and forget all about it. All right, but I'm in a fine mess. I've aged ten years tonight, and I'm supposed to play a nine-year-old kid. <laughs> oh, well, sing your song, Teddy. Maybe that'll soothe me a bit and quiet my nerves. Okay, Jack. What's it gonna be? I'm going to sing, Let's Sail to Dreamland. 
Now dedicated to the United States Navy. <laughs> I'd like to hit him with the SS Pennsylvania. I close my eyes and dream you are near me. I hate to wait, for day will take my dreams away. A paradise is mine when you're near me. My dreams live on, although it's gone, we'll find you gone. Let's sail to dreamland on a silvery sea. With love beside us, a dreamboat to guide us, what more can there be? Let's sail to dreamland in the blue of the night. The land of kisses where heaven and blisses and stars are so bright. We'll build a love nest just a cozy high above nest and stroll in stardust that falls. Let's sail to dreamland on a silvery sea Where dreams are making and romance is waiting for you and for me Let's sail away Let's Sail to Dreamland, sung by Kenny Baker. And now for our play, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. As you may remember, in our last episode, Mrs. Newton, the school principal, had promised the children a picnic at the old Indian cave. And this is the big day. The scene is the home of Aunt Polly, where we find her getting Tom and Sidney ready for the picnic. Curtain may use it. Come on now, children. Hurry up. It's time for you to leave. I'm ready, Aunt Polly. I'm ready, Aunt Polly. You big gumdrop. You stop calling me names, Tom Sawyer, or I'll scratch you. Children. <laughs> children, behave. Thomas, did you brush your hair like I told you to? Yes, ma'am, I did. Well, then put it on and get going. <laughs> Now, I want you to be good little boys when you get to the picnic. Is your basket all packed, Sidney? Yes, Aunt Polly. I got my sandwiches, my milk, and a book to read. It's so thrilling. A book? What's the name of it? The Campfire Girls at the Cotton Club. <laughs> that sounds mighty interesting. Thomas, is your basket packed? Yeah, I got my peanut butter sandwiches, my jelly roll, my lady fingers, and a can of beer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see that. Why, you bad boy, you forgot your can opener. I don't need one. I got a buck, too. <laughs> Comes in handy, too. <laughs> All right, now. Now run along, both of you. And remember, be good little boys. Hello? Who? Yes, he's here. It's for you, Tom. A Mr. Hornblow. Hornblow? <laughs> Give me that phone, Aunt Polly. Hello, Mr. Hornblow. What? Now, wait a minute. I don't care what Mr. Lyson says. I'm not going to hang out of a window by my heels. Have you been in mischief, Thomas? Quiet, Aunt Polly. Well, go ahead and tell Mr. Zucker. I don't care. Hurry, Thomas, or you'll be late. Now, look, Mr. Hornblow, I haven't time to argue with you now. I'm going to a picnic. Goodbye. Hmm. 
they think they can bulldoze me into making that picture, they got another thing coming. Now hurry, children. It's getting late. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye, Aunt Polly. Goodbye, Aunt Polly. Goodbye, Aunt Polly. You're as bad as Hornblow. <laughs> this is a fine play. Our audience won't be able to follow without a Ouija board. Quiet. <laughs> So Tom and Sidney go on their way, and a little while later we find them at the picnic grounds by the old Indian cave. The picnic is in full swing. Oh, hey, Skinny, hey, let go of my curve. I tag you're in. Children! Children! Not so noisy. And stop slugging each other. That's it. Aren't we having the nicest time? I'm having a lovely time, Mrs. Newton. Gee, this food is good. Hey, look at Puddin' Head Wilson. He's got a 10-decker sandwich. <laughs> hey, Sidney. What? I'll trade you a big piece of custard pie for your ham sandwich. Okay, here's your sandwich. Thanks, and here's your custard pie. I told you I'd get you. Hey, Tommy, there's Becky Thatcher, your sweetheart, over there under the oak tree. Oh, yeah. Hello, Becky. Hello, Tommy. Tommy loves Becky. Tommy loves Becky. Becky loves everybody. <laughs> Now, it isn't true, is it, Becky? You don't go out with other boys, do you? No, Tommy. Hey, Becky, can I hold your hand? Yes, Tommy. Can I put my arm around you? Uh-huh. Can I hold you tight and hug you? Yes. <laughs> can I have some of your potato salad? What a cluck. <laughs> oh, I get it. You want me to kiss you. <laughs> Gee, even I knew that. <laughs> Here you are, Becky. Wow, how was that? I should have given you the potato salad. <laughs> well, you kissed me anyway. Tommy huh? loves Becky. You ought to see the Becky. You better go down and save her. And Jello has six flavors. <laughs> Jello has six flavors. Say, Becky, I got a swell idea. Let you and I go over in the big cave. Huh? No, I'd be scared. They say the place is full of goblins and ghosts and all kinds of creepy spooks. Ah, oh, who's afraid? Come on, let's go. Hey, where are you going? We're going in the cave. You want to come along, Skinny? Sure. You won't be afraid, will you? Who, me? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's nothing. Come on, both of you. Gee whiz. Becky, we ain't even in the cave yet. What are you shaking for now? My nerves are having a preview. <laughs> Come on, let's go. And so Tom, Becky, and Skinny steal away and enter the old Indian cave. For hours, they wander deeper and deeper into its mysterious caverns. <laughs> and now we pick them up. They're trying to find their way out. But they are lost! Gosh, this is awful. Hang on to me, Becky, so we won't stumble over this ledge. Huh? All right, Tommy, but be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy, this is spooky. And it's getting darker, too. I'm scared. Hmm. Now, let's stick close together so we don't get separated, huh? Wait. Wait, what's that? Oh! 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 Well, there's something hitting me in the face. Ouch! Don't be scared, Becky. It's just bats. Gosh, there are a lot of them. Yeah, get away from here, you old bat. Watch your language, young man. <laughs> Gee, they, they talk, too. Hey, Tommy, listen. There's somebody coming towards us. Where? Oh, yeah. Maybe he can tell us how to get out of here. I'll find out who he is. Hey, mister, are you a caveman? No, I'm an Eskimo. An Eskimo? What's an Eskimo doing in a cave in Missouri? What was that Barracuda doing in Lake Arrowhead? <laughs> I don't know. Say, mister, how do you... She's gone. Gone? Say, we gotta get out of here. What do we do, Tommy? Let's crawl on our hands and knees through the tunnel. It may lead somewhere. Come on, follow me. Gee, that's scary. What's that noise? Just my bubble gum. <laughs> now, don't chew so loud. Look, Tommy, we're coming in a great big cavern. Yeah, gee, look at the size of this place. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hey, there's an echo in here. Listen. Hello there. Hello there. 
Gee, there's an echo, all right. Gee, there's an echo, all right. Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Hmm, <laughs> a fine echo. A fine price you're paying me. Echoes, bass, Eskimos, we gotta get out of here. Hey, Tommy, look, look down there. Where? Right underneath this ledge. There's a lake hole with daylight coming through. Gee, that means we can get out. Yeah, but how are we going to get down there? That's easy. Skinny, you hold on to my ankles, and I'll hang down by my feet over the ledge and let Becky down first. Come on, Skinny, grab my ankles. Okay, Tommy, I got them. Now, come on, Becky, give me your hand. Gosh, I'm afraid. Oh, don't be scared. I can hold you. All right. Now, hold my ankles tight, Skinny, while I bend over the ledge. Now, here we go down over the ledge. Hmm, how did that door get in this cave? Come in. Telegram for Jack Benny. That's fine. In the middle of a play. Reach up and take it, Mary. Okay. Hmm, this burns me up. Oh, Jack, this telegram's from Paramount. What is it? Paramount? What does it say? It says if you can hang by your heels on your program, you can do it in your picture. Oh, there's no use. We might as well give this up. No, this is fun. Shut up. Play it. <laughs> Here's a swell idea for tomorrow night's dessert. Homemade ice cream. Rich, smooth, creamy ice cream, the kind that will make a special occasion out of an everyday meal. And here's the way to have it. Make your ice cream with Jell-O freezing mix for the best tasting ice cream you ever dipped a spoon in. One of the flavors you'll want to try first is that swell maple walnut. It's made with the flavor of real old-fashioned maple syrup kind you get way up in New England when spring is on the way. And it's chucked full of walnut meat, just lots of them, crunchy and inviting. The family will love it, and you'll love the ease and speed and economy of Jell-O freezing mix. Just open the can, add milk and some whipped cream, and pour right into the freezing tray. You get six servings of rich, creamy ice cream with that old-fashioned homemade goodness. Jell-O freezing mix comes in six luscious flavors in all. Maple walnut, chocolate, real vanilla, and delicious fruit flavors that are real fruits in their own sweetened juice. Strawberry, tutti frutti, and orange pineapple. You'll find the Jell-O freezing mix is the perfect answer to hot weather desserts. So ask your grocer tomorrow for Jell-O freezing mix. This is the last number of the 36th program in the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. Am I going to be Becky Thatcher again next week? No, Mary, we're all through with Tom Sawyer. Is that right, Jack? Yes, Phil. Then take this. Out! And Polly! And Polly! Good night, folks. <laughs> Baker appears on the Jell-O program through courtesy of Mervyn Leroy Productions. This is the National Broadcasting Company.